Welcome to the Growing with Nature podcast. I'm your host, Darren Williams, permaculture enthusiast, restoration ecologist, and founder of Growing with Nature. Too often, we hear that the best thing we can do for nature is to leave it alone. But people are a part of nature, and you can make the living world around you come alive with abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, even in your own backyard. Join me on a journey through regenerative soil building, permaculture, restoration ecology, and more. To learn concrete steps you can take at home to support wildlife, grow incredible, delicious food, and help heal our living world right in your own backyard. Ready to get started? Grab a shovel, roll up your sleeves, and let's make the living world around you come alive. In this episode, we're going to dive into three ways you can cultivate abundance this fall. While the vegetable garden may be slowing down and the days are getting shorter, fall is a great time to take steps to ensure your land will be filled with abundance come spring. You know, here in western Washington, the rains have finally returned, and I couldn't be happier. By the end of summer, I'm always excited for fall, and it seems like the land is excited for fall too. People often think of western Washington as a wet, cool area, but our summers are actually dry and fairly warm, and with climate change, we're getting more hot days and even less moisture. By the end of summer, the land here looks stressed. Just like me, it wants the rains to return. I've been noticing seedlings popping up in our native meadows and other areas. With the first storms, these seeds woke up and will get some decent growth in before winter, especially in their roots, underground, which will let them take off as soon as the weather warms up come spring. Soon our miner's lettuce will start to wake up and grow, and new miner's lettuce plants should be popping up from seeds dropped back in July. And below the soil surface, soil life, fungi, worms, bacteria, and so much more are all waking up, building soil, and breaking down leaves, branches, wood chips, and other dead organic material. The land is waking up. I tend to view fall as a time when the land wakes up and, at least here, gets one last burst of growth before winter. Depending on where you live, this time of fall growth will be shorter or longer than it is here in western Washington. In colder areas, it may start well before the official first day of fall and be short. You know, taking this cue from the land, there are steps you can take to cultivate abundance this fall. These steps are to plant perennial plants, especially native plants, prepare new areas for planting, and create space for beneficial critters. Each fall, I try to do all of this on my property, and this fall is no exception. As I record this episode, I'm waiting for 40 native woodland strawberries to arrive in the mail, and over the next month, I've got 300 over 300 native flowers coming to add to my food forests and vegetable garden. I love to plant perennials and especially native plants in the fall. You know, let's dive into these three steps. But before we do, I want to take a moment to say thank you to our newest patron, Kelly Smith. Thank you so much for supporting us, Kelly. The support of patrons like Kelly allows us to create weekly free podcasts. It takes a lot of time to create these episodes, and it costs money to host them online and run our website. Our patrons help cover these costs and provide us the support we need to create free weekly episodes for all of you. So a big thank you to Kelly and the rest of our patrons. If you're able to, please consider supporting us on Patreon. There's a link to our Patreon page in the episode descriptions, in the description for this episode and in the show notes. And if you like what you hear today, another way to support us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us. People like you who want to bring these skills home to enjoy wildlife, grow more food, and help heal our living world.
Okay, let's get started. The mornings here have started to have that chill that to me marks the start of fall. And every day, more leaves are changing colors and even starting to fall to the ground. Fall is here, and often this is a time when people clean up their growing beds and get ready to hunker down for winter. Planting is generally not what people are thinking about at the start of fall. You know, take a walk through the garden section of a large box store. If they're like the ones where I live, most of the plants are now gone. Soon, these areas will be filled with Christmas trees and other seasonal, you know, kind of items like that. And I can also see in a number of people who visit our own website, growingwithnature.org. You know, we always see the numbers drop a bit in the fall and winter, and then jump again in the spring and summer. This is just kind of the natural cycle of when people are actively thinking about planting and growing things on their land. But fall is actually a great time to get out and plant, especially if you're planting perennial plants. I do a large portion of my planting in October and November. If I can, all my native plants and non-native perennials are planted during this time. I just finished ordering bundles of bare root native plants that I will be planting later this month in October. There are a couple reasons why I plant my perennials and native plants in the fall, and why you should too. A big reason is that planting these plants in the fall gives them time to get fully established long before they have to put on their first spring growth. Above the ground, you know, new bare root plants, they look dead. They look like twigs. No leaves, and no obvious signs of growth. And... Bare root herbaceous plants, non-woody ones, all you get is like a bundle of roots. But below ground, the roots will slowly be spreading and the interactions with fungi and other beneficial soil life will start. You know, transplant shock is lessened this way and your plants will be ready to put on above ground growth as soon as spring comes. When you plant perennials in the spring, they have to get their roots established at the same time they're trying to grow. This means they need more water and will likely suffer more transplant shock. If possible, planting in the fall avoids this shock and reduces how much water your plants will need over the spring and summer. But you do want to make sure your new perennial plants are dormant. This often means waiting until after the first couple frosts when the plants have died back or dropped their leaves to plant them. This leads us to the second reason why I plant perennials in the fall. You can buy them in bundles as bare root plants. Bare roots are plants that have been dug up after they go dormant, and most of the dirt has been removed from the roots. Nurseries do this, you know, so they're producing tons and thousands and thousands of bare root plants this way. And these plants are often sold in bundles of 25, 50, or 100. And the cost is only 50 cents to a dollar, you know, United States dollar, per plant, depending on the specific type of plant. You know, this is more common with native plants. Though even fruit trees and berries can be purchased as bare roots, though often they cost more than the native plants. Bare root fruit trees tend to be around $10 each, depending on how big they are. You know, this is how I can plant hundreds of native plants every fall and winter. Each plant costs less than a dollar, which makes it relatively affordable to buy them, to plant them. At least when you compare that to one gallon shrubs and trees, that can cost as much as $20 to $40 each, and even if you're getting them cheaper than that, they're still always multiple times more expensive than bare root plants. And bare root fruit trees and berries, they're still cheaper. You can often get two or three bare roots for the cost of a single large pot of plants if you're buying fruit, you know, classic fruit trees and berries. You know, they might just be six, seven, ten dollars, somewhere in that range. 
Plus, if you're buying your bare roots online, shipping is much cheaper than shipping potted plants. I can easily pick up and move a box of hundreds of bare root native plants. You know, good luck doing that with hundreds of one gallon potted plants. I've had to move thousands of one gallon potted plants. It takes forever. You're not doing it by yourself, at least not very quickly. While bare root plants are likely to be smaller than potted plants, in my view, this is actually a good thing. I will never buy a large potted plant. I don't want a plant with a lot of top growth and relatively few roots. When you buy bare root plants, the amount of above ground stems might be small, but the amount of roots are going to be about the same size or even larger than most potted plants. And those roots won't have to support all that above ground growth before the plant is established. You know, I could keep talking about bare roots, but there are other things to discuss on this episode. So if you're going to buy bare roots, make sure to check out our blog post all about bare roots and plugs. There is a link to that post in the resources section of the show notes, so make sure to check it out. You know, the final reason I like to plant native plants and perennials in the fall is it spreads out the work. This lets me focus on my kitchen garden in the spring because my perennials and native plants are already planted. And since fall planted natives and perennials don't need as much watering, I can focus any watering I do need to do on the plants that really need it. Spring and summer is always busy in the garden, so it's nice to spread out the work by planting perennials in the fall. And just a quick note about planting perennials in the fall, you do need to get this work done before the ground freezes. I grew up in eastern Washington near the Idaho border, and that area has much colder winters than western Washington. Here in western Washington, I can plant all winter long because the ground never freezes. But in eastern Washington, depending on the year, the ground was often frozen by the start of November and didn't thaw out until spring. So just keep that in mind when planning your fall plantings. I know when I did plantings in eastern Washington, we always tried to finish by the end of October. Planting perennial plants and native plants is a great way to cultivate abundance this fall. But you can also use this time to prepare new areas for future planting. When fall comes, I often notice plants waking up with the return of the rain but the new growth is much slower than the growth in the spring and summer. This makes fall a great time to prepare new areas for planting using methods like sheet mulching. I've put a link all about sheet mulching in the resources section of the show notes if you want to learn more, but really sheet mulching is pretty simple. It's where you put down layers of cardboard or something similar over the ground and then add compost, soil, leaves, etc. over the top of it. This is a great way to prepare lawns and fields of grass for future plantings. The grass is smothered and dies, and the cardboard will break down to soil. But this takes time to happen. You can't sheet mulch an area and plant it in a week or even a month later without having to cut through the cardboard and deal with the grass under it. This is why sheet mulching in the fall is a great way to prepare areas for future plantings. Depending on how much life there is in your soil, the grass and cardboard should have mostly decomposed by the end of the following spring. And if you can wait till the following fall to plant, you won't have any cardboard or grass left to deal with. All you will need to do is pull back any mulch and plant into the soil beneath it. Then just pull the mulch back to cover the exposed area around your new plant and your set. You know, sheet mulching can be done in the spring and summer, but I've found that grass and other plants are more likely to push through the cardboard if sheet mulching is done in the spring and summer, because the plants are growing so much faster during that time of year. Plus, since there is so much else to do on the land in the spring and summer, I really like to do my site prep work in the fall and winter. And fall is a great time to top up any areas you've already mulched. 
Often by fall, any mulch layer will be getting thinner. I like to add more mulch in the fall to keep areas from getting muddy when the rains come and to keep the soil a bit warmer. This can help protect sensitive plant roots and soil life from the cold. Just be careful not to add too much mulch in areas where your non-woody herbaceous you know, perennial plants have died back and will be regrowing. You don't want to make it too hard for them to regrow come spring, so don't put too much mulch in those areas. A great way to top up mulch in the fall is to let the living world do it for you. I'm trying to do this more and more on my own place. You know, all those fall leaves are just the living world's way of adding mulch to the soil. You know, leave the leaves where they fall. You know, just leave them there where they fall so they can protect the soil and help cultivate abundance this fall. I've put a link in the resources section of the show notes to a podcast episode all about the importance of fall leaves and how you can use them to cultivate abundance this fall for people, plants, and wildlife. Make sure you check it out if you haven't already listened to it. While there are lots of things you could do this fall to cultivate abundance, the last one I want to talk about is creating space for beneficial critters. If you're growing food for your family and community, then pests can be a big concern for you. Aphids and slugs, you know, they're not most people's favorite sign of spring, but they show up then. But you can take steps this fall to help control those pests. The first thing you can do is plant native plants. These plants have co-evolved with the wildlife that live in your area and will naturally support a greater diversity of life than non-native plants will. This will result in more birds, frogs, and other beneficial critters that will help keep your pests in balance. And as we talked about earlier in this episode, fall is a great time to plant native plants. I also love to create new critter homes over the fall and winter. You know, we covered how to get started with critter homes and their role in the landscape in last week's episode. I put a link to the episode in the resources section of the show notes, so make sure to check that out. But really, critter homes can be as simple as three to six small logs stacked together in a way that mimics a single larger log, providing a great place for frogs and other beneficials to take shelter and call home. A pile of small to medium-sized rocks can work too. You know, critter homes are always made out of things that you can move, one person can pick up and move. You don't have to use equipment to make them. And the sooner you can make these in the fall, the better. The reason is that ladybugs, frogs, and lots of other beneficial critters will be looking for places to hide and hibernate through the winter. But even if your new critter homes aren't built in time to help this fall, they will provide space for beneficial critters when they wake up in the spring. Often when I'm preparing areas for future plantings, I will build critter homes at the same time. Building critter homes is part of how I prepare new areas for planting, and I hope you will consider doing the same. And while you can build critter homes any time of the year, I prefer to build them in the fall so they're ready to go when the land wakes up in the, sp- in the spring. Plus, this spreads out the work and lets me focus on other tasks in the spring and summer. Planting perennial plants, preparing areas for planting, and creating space for beneficial critters are all great ways to cultivate abundance this fall. But they all have a downside. You've got to get out when it's cold and wet outside. And let's face it, this is a big reason why lots of us don't do work outside in the fall and winter. As much as I do work outside in the fall and winter, I, I still don't really enjoy getting soaked by a cold fall storm when I'm trying to sheet mulch an area. Rain gear helps, but after a few hours, the rain either finds its way through the gear or you get too hot and sweaty. But despite all this, I still make sure to do work outside throughout the fall and winter. The benefits are just too great to ignore it. Not only do the tasks that we talked about today help cultivate abundance this fall, they also spread out the work. Spring and summer is when I'm building compost, planting annuals, harvesting food plants, and so much more. 
trying to prepare new planting areas, building critter homes and planting perennials on top of everything else in the spring and summer, it's really just too much. I've tried to do it, and when I do, something else ends up not getting done. You know, with a family and with two young kids, a full-time job, and creating weekly podcast episodes, time management is very important to me, and I'm sure it's important to you too. We're all too busy. And this is something I need to get better at. You know, spreading out the workload throughout the year is a big part of this. So when the kitchen garden goes to sleep in the fall, I need to shift gears to the tasks covered in this episode. Then comes spring. Ideally, I would stop doing those tasks and focus on others so that, you know, focus on the tasks that can only be done in the spring and summer. You know, planting veggies, things like that. And if you want to cultivate abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, then learning to work with the seasons is a big part of that. Don't try to cram everything into the spring and summer. You know, until the snow gets too thick, you can do a lot of work outdoors in the fall and winter. You know, don't miss out on this time to cultivate abundance this fall. And stay tuned for our next episode where we will look at ways to use wet areas on your property. And don't forget to check out the show notes for links and resources related to the topics covered in this episode. All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you for listening to the Growing With Nature podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons over on patreon.com. Thank you, patrons, for supporting our work. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us, people like you who want to bring these skills home to support wildlife, grow food, and help heal our living world. Well, that's all for now. See you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, and keep on growing.